The podcast world is growing bigger every day and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and we're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow the Killer Instincts podcast once you're there. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. I am your host here on Killer Instinct and today you guys we are talking about, and I know that I say this every week, but we are talking about such an insane case and what really differentiates this case from the other cases that I've covered in the past is that even though this case is absolutely horrific, there is a little light at the end of the tunnel because fortunately the victim in this case was not only a able to escape her captor, but she was able to survive. So we are looking at a solved case today. Today we are covering the disappearance and ultimately escape of Elizabeth Schof. Elizabeth Schof was a 14-year-old girl who got kidnapped after getting off her school bus in Luggif, I believe is how you pronounce it, South Carolina. And like I said, I know a lot of stories that we cover don't have the best endings here, but today's case is a solved case that does have a light at the end of the tunnel. So Elizabeth, like I said, was living in South Carolina when she was unfortunately abducted on Wednesday, September 6th, 2006. Elizabeth had just started ninth grade, so she was a freshman in high school and she was so excited about it. She had just gotten her first boyfriend and seemed to be pretty happy with everything going on in her life. So Elizabeth took the school bus to get to and from school and where the school bus would pick her up and drop her off was typically about 200 yards away from her house. So she would just get dropped off where the school bus would leave her and she would walk the 200 yards to her house. And her mom, Madeline, who worked as a pharmacy technician at the time, always told Elizabeth and her 12-year-old brother, Donnie, to lock the door when they got into the house and to do their homework until her parents got home. So on this particular day, September 6th, Madeline called the house like any other normal day. Donnie was the one who answered the phone and told his mother that Elizabeth hadn't come home from school yet. Madeline automatically, mother's instinct kicked in and told Donnie to run up to the driveway and see if he could see her. Because like I said, it was 200 yards. She should have been home by this point. So Madeline stayed on the line as Donnie ran up to the driveway. And when he didn't come back right away, Madeline knew that something was wrong. She knew it wasn't like Elizabeth to just run off with her friends after school or anything of that sorts because Elizabeth's aunt was supposed to come over when she got home from school to cut Elizabeth's hair and she wouldn't have been late for that. This was something she was really excited about because her cousin's birthday party was also the next day. So Elizabeth had plans throughout pretty much that entire weekend. So once Madeline knew that something was wrong, she started to call some of Elizabeth's friends. One of her friends, Amanda, said that Elizabeth did ride the bus with her and she told her that she was super excited because her aunt was coming over when she got home. Amanda said that she watched Elizabeth get off the bus and start walking in the direction of her house. And when she started walking home that day, she was walking with her friend Scott about halfway to her house and Scott had some friends pull up in their car asked if Scott and Elizabeth would like a ride. According to Scott, Elizabeth declined the ride but Scott did want one so Scott got in the car and left Elizabeth there to walk home but it was only about a hundred more yards until Elizabeth got to her house so it wasn't like she was walking very far by herself. Madeline obviously was extremely worried at this point because it was getting later and later in the night and still no sign of Elizabeth. Madeline called Elizabeth's father Don and 
he rushed home from work to search Elizabeth's room with her to see if they could find any clue as to where she could have gone. Like if she got upset and decided to pack a bunch of her stuff or anything of that sort. But it was very clear to both her parents that Elizabeth did not plan to not come home that day. Her favorite clothes were in her closet. She had her lunch money for school the next day. All of her favorite things were still there. There was just no way that she would leave all of that stuff behind if she was planning to, let's say, run away. By that night, Madeline and Dawn called their extended family and friends who all started their own search party. Each family member or friend picked a spot and just started looking. They were looking through the woods that aligned the house and they were looking all through the roads and they were knocking on neighbors' doors asking if anyone had seen Elizabeth. But ultimately, their search ended up with nothing. And by that night, the police were called and the sheriff was at the show house. And at first, the police did think that Elizabeth was a runaway. And as we know, in these cases, police assuming that children who get abducted as a runaway is not an uncommon thing. And the police did have a little bit of a reasoning to think this, and that's because Madeline told the police that the morning of September 6th, everyone was running late for school because the alarm clock didn't go off that morning. And Elizabeth was frustrated because she wasn't able to grab her makeup before going to school that day. So her and her mom kind of got into a little bit of an argument. But Madeline, Elizabeth's mom says, despite that little argument, that was nothing that would make her want to get up and leave. You know, like she had plans for that weekend. She was excited about her aunt coming over. She was excited about her cousin's birthday party. She was excited about her life in general at the moment. So there was no way this little, you know, like hiccup in the morning would have made her want to up and run away. Despite the police's suspicion that Elizabeth was a runaway, they immediately started their search. They brought in search dogs and helicopters and people were riding horseback through the woods trying to find Elizabeth, but ultimately it ended up with nothing. By the fourth day of her disappearance, there were flyers hanging up everywhere of Elizabeth and her information and what she looked like and what her height was and everyone in this town was trying to look for her. Let's talk about Elizabeth's house for a second because Elizabeth's house bordered a very dense wood area that is really easy to get lost in and because of this police really relied on air support so helicopters and things like that and they also brought in horseback like I said um, to go through and search the wooded sections that were more difficult to go through just on foot and with all the media attention that this case got it brought in a lot of different tips from people and police had to go and investigate each tip that they got. Madeline and Dawn, Elizabeth's parents, were really put through the ringer when police would tell them that they found a body in this county or in that county and they were going to see if it was Elizabeth and Madeline's mom said each time she got told that a body was found she just prayed that it wasn't Elizabeth. Something that really frustrated Elizabeth's family was the fact that the sheriff basically refused to set up an Amber Alert for Elizabeth. I did watch the sheriff explain his reasoning for this and he said that the reason he didn't do an Amber Alert for Elizabeth was firstly because of the fact that there was no vehicle or sighting of a vehicle when Elizabeth went missing which is required when filing for an Amber Alert. He also said that as the days passed and they moved into the fifth and sixth days of Elizabeth's disappearance that they really had no information to put out there because all they knew is that this girl just up and vanished. It's literally like she disappeared into thin air. She was 50 to 100 yards away from her house and then she was just gone. But this is where things get crazy. And when I started reading this, doing my research, I was just mind blown. So the family and friends of Elizabeth decided to hold a vigil for her. So many people from the community and the county gathered together and lit candles and prayed that Elizabeth would come home safely. And once the vigil was over, Madeline, Elizabeth's mom, grabbed her phone and her keys and headed to her car. And when she looked at her phone, she noticed she had a text message notification from 
from a number she didn't recognize. And when she read the text, she was in absolute shock. And trust me, you will be too. You ready? The text said, hey mom, it's Lizzie. I'm in a hole in the ground near Charm Hill. It's near that dirt road where those big trucks go in and out. Get the police though, because there's bombs hidden. How crazy. Are you shocked yet? Because I know I was. Madeline knew when she got this text that it was Elizabeth. She knew it was her daughter. She said that you know how your child talks and how they communicate with you. And she knew without a doubt in her mind that this was Elizabeth. Madeline was hysterical when she received this text because she felt like her prayers were finally being answered. I can only imagine getting a text like that. Like it's such a sigh of relief knowing that she's okay, but now it's such a heightened, like you want to find her right now because there's bombs hidden and she's underground. And I can't even imagine the emotions that were running through Madeline at this point. Elizabeth's parents immediately told the police who by now had been searching for Elizabeth for about a week. The sheriff was worried that this was some sick prank that someone had been playing on Madeline because, you know, there's people out there that do disgusting things like this and they really want to insert themselves in a case where they're not welcomed in. But the U.S. Marshals were trying to trace down the phone number to see if they could get an exact location, but the police didn't want to wait around for that and they immediately started searching the area that was in the text that was sent for Madeline. Unfortunately though, that text ended up leading them to a dead end. Police searched the area that they thought the text said that she was located in, but they found nothing. This made the police now wonder, you know, who was the culprit behind this mysterious text message? Police worked with their technical department to track down what cell tower the message could have been bounced off from, and as well as if they could try to figure out who the phone number belonged to. And that, my friends, is when they got their first hit. The phone that the text was sent from belonged to a man who was actually wanted by the police for about a year at this point. This man's name was Vincent Filia. Vincent had an arrest warrant for a sexual misconduct charge with his girlfriend at the time's 11-year-old daughter named Amber. Amber's mom would even give her Benadryl to sleep through the abuse, which, oh God, makes me so mad. It's just absolutely disgusting. So Vincent was 36 years old and lived in Elizabeth's neighborhood with his girlfriend. So police thought at this point they had cracked the case and it was case closed. And Elizabeth had to be at Vincent's house, right? Because if the phone number belonged to Vincent, Vincent, she was probably at Vincent's house. So police got a search warrant and went over to Vincent's trailer. But unfortunately, when they got into the trailer, they didn't find Vincent and they didn't find Elizabeth, but they did find loads of alcohol and pornographic magazines. And when the police went and looked in the backyard, it was clear to them that someone had been digging a bunch of different holes in the ground, almost like making bunkers. And if you don't know what a bunker is, it's basically like an underground shed. Like you dig a hole pretty deep into the ground and you make it pretty wide and you know, you can stay down there for a decent period of time. And so with all this new information that the police had, they decided to go back into the woods and search again. They did what they call a line search where about 10 to 15 officers line up horizontally, I think it is, and not too far apart from each other. And they walk through the area. So their chances of missing anything are a lot less likely. As the officers are walking, one officer in particular heard someone crying out for help when he turned his head and looked and he saw Elizabeth standing in the woods not too far away from him. 
At that moment, he said he ran over to her and immediately had medical professionals called onto the scene. When Elizabeth's parents heard the news, they rushed to the hospital. They raced over there. Madeline said that she couldn't get to the hospital quick enough. She kept telling Dawn to go faster and faster and faster until they finally got there. Madeline said that when she got to the hospital, she practically jumped on Elizabeth because she was so happy to have her home. So I know I kind of walked you through the overview of what happened in this case, but now you're probably wondering, all right, well, what actually happened to her? So luckily, Elizabeth was found alive to be able to tell her story. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house, and they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the Dark. <laughs> this is Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. If you're like us here at Chilling Tales and enjoy feeling your stomach filling with dread as dastardly demons dance in your head, make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe now to always be the first to enjoy the horror show. All right, you guys, welcome back. So backtrack back to September 6th, 2006, when Elizabeth had gotten off the school bus. So Elizabeth was walking home and she was about 50 yards away from her house when Vincent approached her. The reason she wasn't as startled when Vincent approached her was because he was actually wearing a fake police uniform, but it looked very similar to the one that the police in her county wear on the regular, so she didn't think anything of it. He had disguised himself as a police officer, so he told her that her brother Donnie was under arrest for a connection to marijuana 
marijuana and arrested her right there as well, saying that she was almost like an accomplice or tied to it. And something to know about Elizabeth is that she's very protective of her little brother. So when Vincent told her that they had her little brother, she was angry. She was pissed. She was mad. And so that's why she decided to kind of go with the police at this point. So then Vincent ended up putting a bomb yes a bomb around her neck and instead of walking to a police car because hint hint he is actually not a policeman vincent guided elizabeth through the woods vincent started asking elizabeth a bunch of different questions like if she had a cell phone and even if she was a virgin which obviously we're starting to put up red flags in elizabeth's head because why in the world would a policeman be asking her if she's a virgin vincent then told elizabeth that she's a smart girl and she should have figured it out by now and that's when elizabeth says her heart started pounding because she knew something was very, very wrong. So like I said, Vincent was walking Elizabeth through the woods and not too deep into their walk, he ended up lifting up something from the ground, like lifted up a piece of wood from the ground and Elizabeth saw that there was a bunker underground, very similar to the smaller bunkers that he would make in his backyard. Vincent told her to get into the bunker and Elizabeth saw that he had a rifle, knives, a taser, and other things that made it very clear to her that she needed to not do anything to make him mad if she wanted to get out of this alive. According to Elizabeth, from the time that she went into the bunker, she was raped by Vincent at least twice a day. According to her, it was about two to five times a day, and she was chained around her neck, you guys, around her neck in the bunker, and Vincent would taunt Elizabeth constantly about how she would never be found and she would never see her family again. She was hidden too well underneath this bunker that she would just never be free. And Elizabeth said that the police would do search parties in the woods and she would sometimes see their shadows walking over the bunker. Like there was a little shot, there was a little piece of light that would come in from the like piece of wood that was covering the top of the bunker so no one can see inside, but she could see the little pieces of light from the daylight uh, from what was up above the ground and she said that when she could see the shadows of the people walking over she just felt so hopeless because she knew she couldn't say anything because Vincent was right there and told her that if she even made a noise that he would tase her and knock her out and it became very clear to Elizabeth that as the days were passing that she was going to have to be the one to save herself because everyone was having such a hard time trying to figure out where she was. So Elizabeth and Vincent would take turns sleeping. Elizabeth would sleep through the night and Vincent would sleep through the day and Elizabeth did think about killing Vincent in his sleep. She said one day while he was sleeping she actually grabbed one of his guns and put it to his head and pulled the trigger but the gun got jammed and she didn't want to unjam it because it would make a sound that he would wake up to so she just put it away. She said she bawled hysterically afterwards because she felt like she was just going to be trapped down there forever. She also said ultimately she's kind of glad that the gun didn't go off and that it was jammed because she says that she can't hurt anything no matter how badly it hurts her. She said she doesn't even think that she could hurt him. So she's glad that it didn't go off in that way. And Elizabeth then learned that reverse psychology might be the best way to go about this. So she actually being really, really smart started acting like she really liked Vincent and that she was falling in love with him and wanted to be with him. And this actually worked because Vincent was a narcissistic, you know, psychopath. So it kind of worked. Vincent started to be a little nicer towards Elizabeth and told her that once everyone stopped looking for her, the two of them could leave the bunker and eventually go to another state together and start a new life. He eventually unchained her and sometimes would take her out of the bunker and they would walk to the 
pond or just through the woods. And this was obviously at times where Vincent was very careful to see that no one was around, no one could see them. And Elizabeth, being the smart girl that she is, actually would take strands of her hair and leave it on the ground or on the trees, hoping that, you know, a police dog or a search party would find these little strands of hair and link it back to her to know that she had been in that area. But then Elizabeth got a new idea that ultimately would lead to her freedom. Elizabeth would sometimes see Vincent texting his actual girlfriend on his phone. Like I said, he had an actual girlfriend, the mother of the girl that he was accused of sexual misconduct with crazy that they were actually still together but she had the idea to take his phone while he was sleeping and text her mom Madeline and that's exactly what she did like I said Elizabeth and Vincent took turns sleeping so Elizabeth would sleep through the night and Vincent would sleep through the day and when Vincent was sleeping and she could tell Elizabeth could tell that he was in a deep deep sleep that's when she decided to take his phone and text her mom she texted her mom for about three days some texts were long and others were really short but each text that went out would say they failed to deliver because of the signal. So Elizabeth thought that these texts weren't going out at all. So in Elizabeth's mind, these texts weren't going out at all. And she just felt so hopeless. She thought she was never going to get out and was just trapped in the bunker forever. Because how was she supposed to know? Everything was saying failed to send and failed to deliver. And, you know, she just kept getting more and more hopeless. She had no idea if it was reaching anyone. And on day nine of the search, Elizabeth heard more helicopters flying over the bunker, which made her really excited. But Vincent, very, very nervous because in Vincent's mind he thought the hard part was over he thought the extreme search was over everything was kind of kind of died down but that is the opposite of what it ended up happening Vincent and Elizabeth sat in the bunker and Vincent actually turned on the 11 o'clock news so the news broke out that there had actually been a text message sent from Vincent's phone to Madeline and that the police now knew it was him who took her and this obviously made Vincent uncontrollably angry and it actually made Elizabeth's parents very angry when the news you know got this story and put it out there because they thought, you know, if he's out there and he's watching this, he's going to get so mad and he could possibly kill her if he hadn't already. So they were super angry about it. And the sheriff said that, you know, it was a risk to put that out into the media, but he thought it was a risk worth taking because he wanted Vincent to know that they knew that it was him and they were coming after him. And so Elizabeth tried to plead with him by saying it wasn't her who sent the text. She didn't know anything about it. And she was crying and she was super scared because she thought it was it. She was like, you know, he knows that I sent this text. He he's going to get really mad and he's going to kill me. But then Vincent did something pretty unexpected. He asked Elizabeth if he should start packing up his things to leave now or if he should stay with Elizabeth and wait it out to see if they ever find them. Elizabeth then told him, which was really smart because she's been smart this entire time, that he needed to leave now while he could so the police wouldn't find him and he wouldn't end up in jail because she wanted him to be safe, which made him think, you know, Elizabeth really cared about him and wanted him to not end up in jail so they could be together. So after Elizabeth told him that, he ended up leaving on the early hours of her 10th day of being held hostage. And a little bit after that, Elizabeth went up the bunker and pushed the door open with her arm. And she got out of the bunker and she got above ground. She heard the dogs barking. She heard police dogs barking and she started screaming for help over and over and over again until someone said her name back, which was the same police officer that I was talking about earlier. And that's when Elizabeth knew that she was finally safe. Like I said, the police 
police officer went over to her, took her to the hospital. He said that they had been looking all over for her and everyone was just so ecstatic that not only was she found, but she was found alive and safe and she was finally okay. But even though Elizabeth was found, Vincent was still on the run. He had been on the run for six hours before Elizabeth had been found. Fortunately though, it did not take the police very long to find him and put him in custody. Just a few days after Elizabeth was found, she actually went to Vincent's bond hearing. She said she wanted to go and look at him and watch the roles be reversed of him being the one who was held without freedom. I can't even imagine what it must feel like to, you know, be in the courtroom watching your captor and the person who held you hostage and the person who abused you without like any remorse or anything, just, you know, sitting there across the courtroom. I can't even imagine the strength that it takes to do that. I then watched an interview with Vincent himself and let me just say it was extremely disturbing and unsettling. And just from an overview of the whole thing, it was pretty clear to me that Vincent loved the spotlight that he got on all of this. He is just a full on narcissist who you could tell is soaking up every minute of media attention that he can get. Vincent said in the interview that it was exciting for him to see Elizabeth on TV and on the news every day when he had her abducted and no one knowing where she was except for him. He did talk about in the interview, the allegations of sexual misconduct with his girlfriend's daughter, Amber. According to Vincent, him and Amber grew very close and she was almost like his second housewife, which is absolutely disgusting. His words exactly were, she was kind of like my second housewife, if you know what I mean, which, oh my God me so mad. Even with this statement though, he is completely stuck with his story that he never did anything sexual with Amber. According to Vincent, he said once he found out that Amber had made these allegations about him, he went out and bought a taser, handcuffs, and a knife and planned to abuse her in the ways that she alleged that he did. And then in his words, probably kill her after that. And that's why he built the bunker. He didn't plan on putting Elizabeth in the bunker. He planned on putting Amber in the bunker. But what's crazy is Amber went to a teacher and told the teacher what was going on. And the teacher was the one who called the police and Amber eventually then moved out of state. According to Vincent, the authorities taking her out of state definitely saved her life. The way he said it too was so nonchalant. It made me so mad. He literally just said, yeah, it probably saved her life and like took a drink of his water. And oh my God, ugh. When his plan with Amber failed, his second plan was kidnapping someone else. And that's when he found Elizabeth. He even said that Elizabeth wasn't actually Elizabeth to him. She was collateral damage. According to Vincent, he said the only reason he did what he did with Elizabeth was because he wanted to get revenge on the police department after they put out a warrant for his arrest. Vincent is now sentenced to 421 years in prison without the possibility of parole, and he's currently incarcerated at the Kirkland Correctional Institute. Obviously, this week's case is different than most cases that we cover here because most cases, unfortunately, don't have as good of an ending. Obviously, good really isn't the right word to use here because what Elizabeth had to endure was absolutely horrific and disgusting and terrifying, but luckily, she was strong enough and had the strength to save her own life and bring herself home. I'm pretty sure they've made a movie out of this case. I saw a lot of people commenting on it saying that there's a movie on Hulu about this case, which I'll have to go watch, but I did watch the interviews of Elizabeth 
Elizabeth herself and of Vincent himself, as well as Elizabeth's parents, her friends, things like that. And so this case, you guys, really, even though there was a light at the end of the tunnel, Elizabeth has endured so much that she will never forget. And she even said in the interview, there are certain things that she will never forget. There was a shelf in the bunker that she would always look at when she was getting raped. She said she'll never forget that shelf. She'll never forget certain things. And to just, you know, I admire her so much for the strength that she had to outsmart Vincent essentially and Vincent who thinks that he is the smartest man on the block thinks that he is you know God almighty to be outsmarted by Elizabeth who is just a genius in doing what she did and ultimately saved her own life because of it is just something to really really admire. I want to know what you guys think of this case so definitely let me know your thoughts tweet me or DM me on Instagram it's just at Savannah Brimer for both places or if you want, you can send me an email at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me cases you want me to cover in that email. And with that being said, you guys, that is it for me today. If you're new to Killer Instinct, make sure you go ahead and hit those follow buttons. That way you never miss an episode. Killer Instinct is a weekly podcast, so we post new episodes every week. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and stay safe.